Welcome to episode 60 of the Rogue Bows Basketball Series. Myself, Andrew Bogan and Mike Procopio. What's going on, Pro? Oh, Bogues, it's another day in fucking fantasy land, man. What are you doing? I'm uh, just watching these NBA games, seeing how seeding's going to end up. It's getting, um, you know, there's still a little bit of movement that can happen, so we're not going to break down the playoffs yet because we don't know who the seeds are going to be. I think Golden State can move. Um, Dallas, Utah, Denver are in that little three to six lock where there could be a bit of um, argy-bargy around there. But uh, otherwise, yeah, just following these games and seeing, you know, who's going to match up where, bro. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people jockeying for position, especially like in the East, like no one wants to, I think that's like the two people, two teams people don't want to play in the playoffs are sort of on that bottom four list. You know, they don't want to play Toronto with the, the, the whole, ma- the whole, yeah, the whole COVID thing, you know, about pl- not, not being able status, to play yep. in Toronto. Yeah. yeah, and no one wants to get seven. No one wants to draw seven because they don't want to draw the Which Brooklyn the two Nets. Seed. So. Yeah, the two seed. And so that, yep. Yeah, so imagine that. Like Usually the seven, eight seed are like, ah, oh, fuck, hope we don't match up against these two. It's the higher seed to like, <laughs> fuck, should we throw this game tonight so we don't have to play Durant in the first round? Yeah, yeah it's it, crazy, right? It looks right? like it will be Milwaukee, but um, we'll go through all that in a second. Team of the weeks, pro, for me, uh, I'm going to go with Miami Heat. I think they had a, a horror run, um, obviously, with the Jimmy Butler thing, um, everything going on. They hit that that lull, but I think they've flipped it. They, they've now won six straight, um, six and four in their last ten after they they lost four or five straight, but they've, they've turned it around. Um, they've got the longest win streak in the league at the moment, I believe. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they've just turned it back on at the right time, thankfully. They had to do this, I think, to give them any chance in the playoffs, even though they're number one seed. I think you don't want to limp into a playoffs with all that turmoil. You know, even if they went three and three of these six, you'd still be asking questions. But they win six straight. I think that's going to give them a nice little propel to to the NBA playoffs, pro. Yeah, you know, teams. It, it's just a weird dynamic with the season. There's so many ups and downs to it, and you know, you could lose the reins of your season pretty quickly. And it seems like that it's they were sort of headed in that direction, and. They finally, like you said, they finally put it together. And after that, that stuff happened with, you know, with Jimmy Butler and Spolstra, you know, they, they sort of put that behind them and they just sort of sort of went to work and said, you know what, we got to we don't want to be the Utah Jazz of the East. We, we don't want to be a dumpster fire. We, we, we want to go get into this thing with a chance to win. And, you know, uh, it was great because you didn't know if Boston was going to get the, first, the top seed in Milwaukee and to win six straight and, you know, to clinch the East. It's uh yeah, they've been playing some good basketball for sure. They have who you got? San Antonio Spurs. Okay, nice. Because well, because now everybody has something to talk about with the with the Lakers not being in, and now the Spurs sort of fight back. We I don't think you know it was sort of it was sort of up and down to see if they were going to make it. They they had a good week, clinched it, and for some reason now ninety nine percent of the media don't know what happened with the Los Angeles Lakers, even though if they've been you know, the biggest, you know, dumpster fire in the NBA all season. But for some reason, like now all the media wants to say, hey, you know, now all, all of a sudden what happened? But no, with the San Antonio Spurs, they've been playing well, you know, and they had to come from behind. I mean, they 
Not a lot of people thought they were going to catch the Lakers. They kept in it. They kept focused with it. Not a great season at 34 and 46, but enough to get into the play. And it's to me, it's a good uh, a good testament of people not quitting, you know, coach not quitting, players not quitting, everybody staying in and trying to, you know, trying to grind this thing out instead of a chance to, you know, chance to get a top pick in the uh, in the draft lottery. They said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to get into the uh the play in and see what happens. So no, that doesn't happen a lot in the NBA. It's a pretty, that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. Them and the Pelicans really, they're, they're both in that boat where they, you know, Pelicans, obviously it, it's, it means much more to them to actually get in because they're, they're just had a horror last few years. Spurs have a, a lot more and kind of trophies in that cabinet the last 20 years. But um, yeah, the Spurs are, I've liked the way they played. I think they're a talented team. They're young. Um, they play the right way, but they're, they're just not talented enough to make it, you obviously make a deep run, but it's, it's good to see them in and kind of the polar opposites of what the Lakers did. You know, the Spurs seven and three in their last ten, and the Lakers two and eight in their last ten. Kind of the most important games of the season if you wanted to get into that plane. But I don't think the plane um, was high on the priority list for the Lakers either. Um, not not an excuse, but it just just seemed like the it seemed like their season their season was done. You know, a month and a half, two months ago, once they once they knew they couldn't get in that in that seven or in that seven or that six. And it was just plummeting. It was it was just painful to watch. So, um, yeah. I think the play-in is going to be good, though, for the Spurs because, like, Murray gets another whack at it. Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, Poto, you know, our boy Londale. You know, so, you know, it, it gives your young players a good thing to play for and sort of gives them a little bit of playoff experience, even even though it may, may or may not be all that long. I mean, who knows? Like, I'm not – yeah, besides maybe Minnesota and depending on what, what's going on with the Clippers, like there's no one that the Spurs could be afraid of. They can get, they can come out of there with the eight or the seven, who knows coming out of the that deal. But I think it's always good for the young guys to sort of experience that and sort of, you know, play for something, playoff experience. So next year, if you're trying to battle for it, you know, it could help. It, it sort of could help them going forward. But yeah, but no short of tomfoolery in this league with that with that Laker stuff. We'll see. We'll get to those. we'll get some real deep Laker stuff soon. But uh, team of the week, my bad team of the week. I'm still the Chicago Bulls. I think they're the first team to go back to back of our team of the weeks, and they they, they look they look bad. Um, three and seven in their last ten, lost four straight. Um, they they're limping into the playoffs. Get this, pro that they have the worst the the the, the top six. Worst record since All-Star Break Pro. One to five are all lottery teams. Six is the Chicago Bulls. So that, you know, the one to five is your Portlands and, you know, your teams that are Detroit that, that are blatantly tanking for a pick. They're all above the Bulls, five of them, lottery teams. Six is the Bulls' worst record since All-Star Break. They, they just, it just, it doesn't look good. They're getting punched in the face. They're not responding to any runs really in games. Um, when they keep it close for the whole game, they're, they're in games. They have a chance to win. But it's, it seems like the last two months, as soon as a team punches them, they just they just fall. Um, and they lose by 10 or 15. And, and even if they're down 10 or 15 in the fourth, they'll grind their way back to eight or seven and then still lose. And it just looks – it doesn't look good. Um, they've fallen from grace. They were number one in the East at one point, bro. Remember that? Um, a long, long time ago. And, yeah. and, they, and they were top four for most of the season. And I, this is a testament to how brutal the NBA season is for all the people listening is one bad month can can kill you. And they've dropped from the top four finish to a clear six seed. Like they don't, they're three games behind five. So they're, they're a clear six seed. It looks like it's going to be, 
um, Boston or Philly, depending on these next, how these next two games go. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not liking the Bulls. I mean, I don't like them. I don't think they'll have any chance against. And I don't like Philly neither. I don't think they're they're as good as as people think. Um, but I think they they face Philly. Philly's bouncing them quite easily, pro. But they're my uh, my team of the week. Folks, what the fuck is going on with them though? Like even like like the, they're like the Utah Jazz of the East. It's like you know they they're playing well most most of the first half of the season. I mean, they didn't play anyone great because I remember you coming up with that stat. They were like two and sixteen versus like winning teams or something like that. But like they had everything going for them. Zach Levine gets a little bit hurt, and you know I think. You know, balls. You know, balls out, and that it just goes to show you probably what ball means to that team and how valuable he is. But it just—it's a del. You know, I don't think people understand how delicate an NBA season is. Where like, you know, same thing with wins. Like, you get two or three losses in a row, maybe you win seven out of ten, and then, and then you get into a stretch where like, all right, you lost this game by chipping at the buzzer. You know, you had this fourteen point lead, then you know the next game, you you end up blowing that. And then it just can snowball into this like clusterfuck. And with Chicago, it's nuts because they got this good coach. Donovan's a very good coach. They've got good players. DeMar DeRozan, some of the things he did this year was ridiculous. Vucevic, you know, Ball, Levine, got a good bench. And it's just, to me, I just don't understand what, what's going on with them. You, know, you can't really put your finger on it. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you have, but I mean, they've got this good team that you think they could they, they could sort of make a run, and uh, they're just uh, yeah. Like I, I think everything's pointing towards a sweep. You know, them getting swept in the first round, which means if I'm telling them you're getting swept, they might be in the NBA Finals. And my track record of picking teams, but um, it's weird. It just it's just a weird feeling. What 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 went on with this Bulls team all year? No doubt, yeah. It's just they've just they've been the ultimate yo-yo of a team. So, be interesting to see if they can flick that switch in the playoffs. But I doubt it. They haven't been that that group has never been to the playoffs together. Um, There's a lot of hype in them early. I wasn't sold on it early. They surprised me definitely. I didn't think they'd be this good. I thought they'd scrape into the playoffs. I thought they'd be probably a, a, maybe a plane. But they've done. They've overachieved in my books. But um, I'm not. I'm not confident. I mean, maybe they steal a game. Maybe. Um, maybe they get two, but they're not winning a playoff series. Who you got? I got the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. Cleveland's sort of been falling down. And I know they've had injury issues this year. And they they overachieved a little bit and they were pushing, you know, JV Bickerstaff did a great job with that group, but they had a they had a rough week. And they lost to Brooklyn. And you know, they lost to Brooklyn, but they also lost to Orlando at Orlando. And come on, man, if you're a team that's sort of, you know, you want to be a, a non-playing team, you got to be able to go in Orlando and beat them. And, you know, Orlando's one of the worst teams in the league. Yes, they're fighting and scrapping, but like you go in there and you lose that. It's just they're, they're sort of heading for it. It's like they won like, I think they won like two out of their last 10. They lost three in a row. Um, I don't know where they're headed either because they had such a, a good run. Now, Jet, now, you know, Jared Allen's been out, obviously. They lost, you know, they lost Sexton. All off of the year, they're, they're sort of on a shoestring. You know, they got Karis Levert and all, but this team's really not going anywhere in, in a great direction. I don't know if it's it's as much of a shit show as Chicago is, but they're they're sort of heading not in a great direction, heading towards the playoffs. I don't mind if a team sort of you know gets a funky in March and February, March, and has a, a bad month. 
But as long as you rebound by the last half of March, early April, I don't mind it. You know, every team goes through their ups and downs, but it just seems like they're not really trending, you know, in the right direction at the right time. So I think it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, they've, they've struggled too. They've been similar to the Bulls. Um, they were top four for a bit as well up there in the East and, and they've fallen from grace down to eight and lost three in a row, two and eight in their last 10. Their, their lineups have been janky with injuries. I don't know if they're resting guys or being a bit conservative, but they can't afford to do that. They haven't been, you know, they haven't been in the playoffs um, for a while, for a number of years since since LeBron left. So um, you want them to get some some kind of consistency and, and, and feel for, for how they're playing together and, yeah, they're, they're definitely another team that they were on in, in my in my sights, but um, yeah, the Bulls for me were taking the cake as far as their four from grey. So <clears throat> playing games pro, let's talk about those because um, we'll do playoffs next week once it's a bit more solidified. Who do you have coming out of the East? Coming out of the East, um, playing. Yeah, so you got yeah. you got Brooklyn, Cleveland, I have Atlanta, yeah, I have Bro- and Charlotte. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Brooklyn. I'm going to go with Brooklyn and Charlotte for these two coming out. Oh, wow. Charlotte. Yeah. I'm going to go Charlotte. Yeah. They're playing Scrappy well. bunch, young kids playing okay. You know, I mean, look, no one's playing great out of those three. Atlanta's finally showing some life. They'll probably get out. But you know what? I'm going to go with the underdog. I'm going to go with Charlotte because I every fucking team I take is going to lose anyway. But I think if I if I took Atlanta, they'd be doomed. So maybe give it give Charlotte a shot. But I think they got a chance, although I hope it's I hope the games don't go overtime. I'm just looking here on NBA.com. They're 0-7 in overtime games this year with the, uh, the Hornets. I didn't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's there not go. good. Don't go do not go oh, yeah. to overtime. No. Who uh who you got for you too? Oh, Brooklyn's the obvious one. I think as of as of right now, it's it's looking like Brooklyn, Cleveland, seven, eight, but they're all they're all uh, you know, uh Brooklyn's they're all one game within each other, so the last day of the season can actually, you know, change these seeding still, which is kind of crazy. Um, I'm not sure about all the tiebreakers, so I won't get into all that. But Brooklyn definitely, I think, is through. Um, I think, I mean, so you're ruling Cleveland out, so you're saying Cleveland's going to lose to either Atlanta or, or Charlotte. Uh, I think I think Atlanta get through. I think they've played better the last month. Um, they've been in these positions before. I think they... I like the planes just for the fact that it feels very international Olympic-y where it's it's one game. Um, so I like that. You're not you're not easing into oh we'll get them, you know, we lost the first game, we'll adjust and make some adjustments. Like, no, this is your adjustment. You lose this, you you're home for the summer. So I'll go Brooklyn and Atlanta, the obvious ones. Um, and yeah, I think I mean, just speaking about Brooklyn, I did it, I penned an article um Today or, or yeah, it came out today in the, in, in the Sydney paper, just talking about about Brooklyn's chances, and I, I I basically said I don't I don't have them winning the championship. I don't think they'll be there at the end. Um, a main reason why is I, I just don't think they've played together enough, bro. I think they um they are the, they're one of the most talented teams as far as I think KD's the, the, one of the best scorers, pure scorers of all time. Like get me a bucket from any spot on the floor. I've said this for for years. I think Kyrie's one of the best best flashiest ball handling scorers that we have in the league. But I just don't think, you know, Kyrie in and out, um, KD's been hurt, then then James was in and out at the start of the season and they trade him. Um, Their lineups have been all over the place. They get Seth Curry now, Paddy Mills has gone to the bench, his minutes have dried up. Um, Then Drummond comes in and starts. I I just think they haven't got enough consistency playing together to figure out 
like, hey, I, I need to have my teammates back here because this is his weakness or, hey, my teammate here likes that spot on the floor so I'm going to get him the ball there. Just those little nuances that you pick up in 82 games of regular season, I don't think the talent outweighs that. Um, I think they'll, they could potentially still scare you know, Milwaukee or Boston depending on who's in that two seed. Um, they might even get through the first round um, after the playing, but I just don't think they have enough to go into that playoff um, deep run. And then, and then Ben Simmons. My point was that even if he comes back off a bad back, I don't think he's going to be as 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 helpful as they think. Because you know, as a guy that's had back issues, Ben's whole game is relying on athleticism and power um, and strength. And you come back off a back. He doesn't have the luxury of being a Steph Curry or a, a Joe Harris or someone who can, I've still got a three ball that you need to respect. I can still be out and contribute. He has to work real hard for everything. So even if he comes back, I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll contribute as much as people think coming off that back, just, just based on the injury. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are on the Nets, but some people still think that they'll, they'll have a chance to go deep. And I, I just think that whole consistency culture thing is going to probably hurt them at the end. Yeah, I mean... What are they looking at now? They're looking at playing, you know, if they say they win, so they say they get out of the plan, which I think we, we, we believe they will, will at the, at the seven seed. And then they got to play Milwaukee, which is going to be, I mean, my thing is I feel as though they can get to the finals or they're going to lose to Milwaukee in the first round. I don't think there's really going to be a middle ground for them. I think they're going to, they're going to either get it going. See, this is, I, like, I wouldn't even play Ben Simmons, to be honest. Like, he needs a lot of work. He needs a lot of, like, he needs a 20-point lead coming into the season to, like, be comfortable and ease his way in. I don't think you can a pressure situation of playoff basketball is going to be his first taste of basketball this year. And I, I, don't, I, I don't think he could respond well to that. I think with his back, I think that's going to be an issue. Then it's like, remember, I don't know if you remember this when Amari Stoudemire had that microfracture surgery and then like he came back in the playoffs for Phoenix and he looked like, I mean, come on. He, shell, he looked yeah. like, yeah, I mean, like I look better on a fucking runway on a, on a modeling agency than he did in the court. And I think that like Ben Simmons would not be a good situation for him. I don't think you'd be putting him in the greatest situation to let him play. Um, I do think they have talent and they have enough to, to make a run. And then when, when things go, they can go like, you know, Drummond's played well for him. Curry's played well, obviously, you know, Katie and Irving. I mean, this is why you don't make that trade in the first place. You know, you, you could have had all your guns coming into this thing and you could have looked a lot better going into it. Um, yeah. I understand your, your, your questions and your doubts, I don't know. Like I said, I wouldn't play Simmons. I think that fucks your team up more than anything because I think you need, he needs a training camp and all that. But um, that'll be interesting, man. Like, because they got to play Milwaukee and then they play, you know, the winner of Boston and um, like, what do you Chicago, play? The, the, yeah. yeah, Boston, Chicago there. Or Boston, yeah. So Whoever that's going to yeah. be an interesting one. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, I, I agree. I think they're talented. I think they're talent. I'm not arguing they're talent. I'm arguing sure. that. I just sure. don't think they've played together enough. I really don't. Yeah. I think, and I think that's valuable going into a playoff series. I think, you know, they they can roll it out 
you know, in games, big games with KD getting 40 and, and Kyrie going crazy, but in a seven-game series against a tough grinded out team like a Miami or a Milwaukee, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher. So um, I'm interested to see how deep they go. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but um, that's just my feel as far as I think you need to play together. And I think we see that with certain teams out there, Memphis, Phoenix, um, even Miami to an extent, they've played together. They've had their, they've got their rotation down. They know their roles uh, for the most part, unless you're Jimmy Butler. But um, I think that helps. That helps over the over the course of a season. All right, out west, we have Minnesota in seven, the Clippers in eight. That, this all looks like it's not going. No, this can't change. Uh, nine is the Pelicans, and ten is the Spurs. Who do we have, Pro? Who do you have? I'm just going to go with the favorites here. I'm going to go with Minnesota, LA. They're, they're to me, they're just a step ahead of. New Orleans and San Antonio, to be honest, I think that um, I, I could see those two guys coming out of it. What, what do you got? Yeah, I think the I think the Clippers. I think the Clippers have a chance of beating Minnesota in that first round. I really do. Um, I, th- I think Minnesota's tough, but young team haven't really been deep in the playoffs for a number of years. Haven't been to the playoffs in a number of years. A lot of young stars. They they play real well, but the Clippers, you know, they've got that old head kind of mentality, a bit of veteran leadership where they're a little bit more poised at times. I don't, I don't think they panic much during this season as bad as their lineups have been. They arguably shouldn't even be in the in the 10 with, with the injury run they had. They, some of the lineups they were putting out there for two or three week stretches um, was were tough lineups to, to win games and they continued to win some games and stayed in contention 40 and 40 uh, for the season as of as of uh, time of recording. So I think the Clippers might have a chance, but yeah, I think I think Minnesota then won't, will not lose to the Pelicans or Spurs, I don't think. So I think that's pretty cut and dry, but it is one game and we could be wrong about both of them and it could go the opposite way. But um, yeah, I'm excited for these playing games. I think... Um, you know, we were both on the fence kind of of the rule a couple of years ago when it came in, but I think it's actually not a bad thing because it gives you gives those an extra two teams something to play for um, and they can salvage some sort of success out of a season. A lot of the Pelicans had a horror run this year, again, with injuries and whatnot up and down. They made the trade and now they're making a little run. They can have a little bit of success for their fans. It's something to build for in the off-season. One thing I want to do um, is give me your most disappointing team from both conferences that didn't make the playoffs. So um, let's go with the West first. The candidates are the Lakers, the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Thunder, and the Rockets. Which one of those teams do you think should have been in the 10? I think it's pretty obvious um, and was the most disappointing. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Lakers, you know, that's the most disappointing team. Regardless of how you thought they were going to be, you know, some people thought they'd challenge for a championship, but forget about that, but at least get into the top six, you know, you would think that that was like something they should have easily done. And for them to finish 11, uh, that's obvious. I, I think the Lakers have, you know, have proven that, that they've been, there's a couple of teams on that list, like Houston, Oklahoma, no one expected anything out of Sacramento. You expected more fight. Now they dismantled their team with the trade with the Halliburton trade. So I understand that. And Portland was going to be a dumpster fire. You knew that, you know, going in and they had the injury issues and made those trades and now they were just tanking for the bottom. So I, I say the Lakers. Who yeah, you got both? pretty easy one. Yeah, definitely the Lakers. They should have been, you got to at least get in the 10. <laughs> like at a bare minimum, I know you're saying top six, but at a bare minimum, you got to be in that 10. Like the fact that the, the, all the talent, veteran leadership they have on that roster, you know, they've got championship merit on that roster from a couple of years ago. Injuries aside, Davis being out, whatever, they should have still been in that 10. So that was the most disappointing there. At East, the candidates, Magic, Pistons, Pacers, Wizards, and Knicks. Now, the obvious one, obviously, would be the Knicks 
considering how they went last season. But I'm going to go with the Wizards. I think they they were in the box seat to make the the eight at one point, um, and they, they they fell from grace once again, kind of a la Chicago Bulls. They they just had a horrendous last couple of months. Um, they did have some injuries there, but they look like they were you know going to be surprise team of the year at the start of the season and and even up until New Year's. But they, I think they still should have made the ten. They really dropped off, and I think they've gone horrifically under 500 the last the last two months of the season which hasn't helped them but um who's your who's your disappointing team in the east you know i expected more out of the indiana paces you know from the dumpster fire they had as a team last year you know to hire in carlisle and you you thought that they could salvage something and you know they had they had all the weapons that they needed you know sabonis and turner and brogdon and you know tj warren was hurt and, and whatnot but Duarte, you know chris Duarte, Duarte and you know, you expected a lot more out of the team. Obviously, they had injury issues and they made the trade. There really wasn't going to be anything that they could really do to help that team. It's not like they should have been a top two or top three. That team was probably going to be in the plan, but like, you know, mid, you know, maybe that eight, nine seed battling four. Yeah, I think I had them anywhere from eight to 10. And um, they were disappointing. I'm, I'm not really pointing the finger on what, what really transpired with that to, for them to sort of fall, you know, fall short, but I expected more out of that because I thought I thought Rick would have got more out of them. And again, injuries and stuff and trades you can't really can't really deal with, but sometimes you have no control over it. But I expected more out of them. What do you who you know? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think Indiana's definitely a candidate. We knew Orlando and um, Detroit to an extent would just weren't going to be good this season. Um, but yeah, to have I mean. Yeah, the Pacers, the Wizards, the Knicks all could have been coin flip in that 10. Cavs, I think, surprised all of us jumping up that quickly. So they, they stole a spot. And then Charlotte obviously stole um, a spot that, that some people didn't have them in this quickly. So, yeah, interesting. The East is probably starting to become a little bit deeper at the bottom end than than the West, um, you could argue. Um, you know, I think the Pistons are going to be better next season. I think... Um, Pace should be better, so I think they'll get a little bit deeper than, than than what the West is. But the West obviously still has some very good teams up top. All right, let's get on to our awards. I know you love doing these, pro. <laughs> um, oh Jesus, yeah. We're going to go with the MVP first. The obvious ones: Giannis Embiid, Jokic is the three. I don't think anyone else is even in, close in fourth. Uh, Embiid's just locked up the points per game leader for the season. So he's leading the league in scoring. I think he's going to lock that up. I don't think that's going anywhere. Um, Giannis having another, another hell of a year. This is going to be one of the hardest MVP races, I think, um, that we've had on, on record for the, for the last 10, 15 years. I, I really do. I think these three, I, I couldn't I couldn't overly be pissed with any of these three picks, in my opinion, but I'm going with Jokic again. Um, I think going back to the point I made two or three months ago, I truly believe if you put Giannis and Embiid on that Denver Nuggets roster with that exact roster with the injuries, I don't think they're in they're in six in the West, um, and that's what I'm putting it down to. I think he's made, you know, MVP is about the numbers, no doubt, and we know it's about what are your numbers looking like, what are the analytics, all that kind of bullshit. But an MVP is also what do you do for your teammates. And and he's got some guys on that roster looking much better than they really are, and I think that's a testament to to how good he is, um, the style of basketball he plays, and I think he's a really really good teammate. And I, I'm going I'm going on record to to say that I think he would be 
my pick. But like I said, if Embiid or Giannis got it, I can't. I definitely can't argue with that either. Who do you have? I, I've Jokic myself. Uh, it is a it is a really close one. No one's really talking about Giannis that much. It's usually like you watch if you're on Twitter and and you see the battles going on with MVP talk. You know, Embiid, Jokic, Embiid, Jokic. It's just a two man race. It seems like even though Giannis is having a hell of a year, a hell of a year. Um, I agree. Like I think that what Jokic has done, and I think you and I would agree. No Murray, no Porter. You know, you're basically doing it with, you know, you're doing it with reserves, basically, on, besides, it, obviously, Aaron Gordon and Jokic, but in Barton, but you, you're missing so much of your team. And yet there's still, you know, there's still at the five seed and, you know, five, you know, five, six or what have you. And you're battling and you could maybe even win a round in the playoffs. And he's doing it not by himself, but. He's just not only going to town scoring wise and putting up numbers, but also, you know, getting easy opportunities for his teammates and putting them in positions to win. And that's the thing, like when you when you're talking about, well, this guy should be the MVP. And you know, you know, Jokic is a, you know, Jokic is a five or a six seed, whatever. And this guy, you know, Embiid's a three seed or um or Giannis is a two seed. But yet put those two guys on that team and how how do you imagine that going? And this guy has really risen the level, not only of his play, but everybody around him, like you just said. And I mean, to put them in a good position at the five or the six going into the playoffs is a hell of a fucking job. And I think that he deserves the MVP based on that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would agree. And, you know, I, I'm interested to hear what our followers and listeners think, because it is, it is a tough one to pick. And, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Gonna be fun to see who. First of all, it's gonna be fun to see which people pick someone that wasn't one of those three. <laughs> as, yeah, as yeah. we as we see every every time of the voting, once it gets leaked and someone gets uh, some media person or someone gets abused because like how the hell did you vote for you know Bismack Biombo? Um, but no doubt, you know that's gonna happen. But um, yeah, I think it's 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 just a it's a good close race. I think it's a healthy race, and I think either either of those three. Um, you can't go too wrong in my opinion. I'd, I'd still keep Giannis in there because they have a hell of a year. Defensive player of the year, pro, who do you have? Defensive player of the year. You know what, folks? Who do you have? Who do I have? I'd like to, I'd like to see you. I have Mikel Bridges. I do. Yeah. Um, I think Marcus Smart's up there. I think Gobert's fallen out a little bit because they haven't played as well. Um, Draymond Green hasn't been healthy. Marcus Smart's the, the, the I think he's the yeah. favorite. Um, but I'm going with Mikel Bridges because... They are one of the best defensive teams in the league. They have the best record in the league, and they're just they're on autopilot. And he gets the task of guarding their best wing every night, their best guard, and does a fantastic job with it. And I, I think it helps that he has guys like Chris Paul next to him. Look, Devin Booker's not classified as a as a great defender. I think he's improved. I think he's gone from a defender that wasn't always locked in every night because he's a scorer to a to a you know probably a average to a little bit above average defender now. He's locked in a little bit because of Chris Paul, because of Mikel, because of Aiden. But Mikel Bridges, for me, he's on the best team in the league. I think he he deserves to get the nod this season pro you. I'm going to go with Marcus Smart. I mean, Marcus, look, that team was sinking like the Titanic early on in the year. You and I, I think we spent a lot of time bashing those guys for good reason. And like he was the only guy really battling on defense. You know, Robert Williams as well, too. But like he really helped change whatever they were going through, whatever like 
you know, entitled bullshit that was going on on that team early on that obviously he voiced his opinion throughout the year in press conferences and in, in, in interviews. And he got those guys, you know, I mean, I mean, Doka obviously did it too, but like you could tell that he was frustrated as hell and he goes out there and he busts his ass and he shuts guys down. That whole team's on a defensive mentality kick. I think they're the best defensive team in the league, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, I give a lot of credit to him. I mean, he, he has to guard the best guy every night. You know, Tatum's not really given all that much help on the defensive side. You know, Brown does a little bit, but, you know, Marcus Smart is, to me, he, that team isn't where they are today if, it, if it's not for him. And um, I give him a lot of credit for what he's done. I'm a big Dorian Finney-Smith fan. I just don't think he's good enough to sort of get that, you know, get that award. But um, Thibel, you know, boy from Australia as well, but I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Marcus Smart. Yeah, he's, he's overwhelming favorite with bookies, and you are a Boston crony, so it makes total sense, pro. Ah, get uh, the fuck out of here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Mikel is just one that's from left field a little bit. Um, wasn't spoken about early on in the season as a front runner for the re- award, and I think um, their record and Phoenix are my pick for championship favorites as of today. So I think um, we'll watch that space. All right, Coach of the Year, pro, who do you have? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Taylor Jenkins. Um, you know, Memphis Grizzlies, he's done a great job. Look, he's, you know, that team is a good team. Don't get me wrong. You know, John Morant and, and whatnot, but you know, like what he did with that team to get to the two seed is amazing. And I don't think anybody really expected much out of the Memphis Grizzlies the last couple of years. I think he's done an amazing job, you know, getting everybody on the right track, developing talent and, you know, making that team to the level to overachieve the level uh, they're doing now. I really like Jason Kidd and what he did in Dallas, you know, winning 50 plus games for the first time in a long time, you know, in that, in that organization. But I think that Jenkins is, has done an excellent job with not only, like I said, bringing that team to a two seed, but also developing a lot of role players into elevating their role there. So um, yeah, hats off to him. I think he's done a great job. Yeah. Other notables that are in the running, Eric Spolestra, obviously um, Nick Nurse, the Toronto Raptors, I think they've overachieved. Um, Miami Heat are obviously first, so you got to put them in. Monty Williams, um, them being first again, and, and and yeah, Jason Kidd's done a good job with the Mavs. But I'll, I'll agree with you. I think um, Jenkins has done a fantastic job. Or when you factor in that their record without John Moran, which we've spoken about, is even better. With that, that a lot of that has to do with coaching. It's very hard in this league to lose an All NBA caliber player for stretches in a season and continue on like nothing happened. Usually. You'll have a game or two or three after that injury where where guys sustain it, but then it catches up with you, or you know, vice versa. Roles change a little bit. All of a sudden, I'm handling the ball now, more pressure on me, or I'm not touching it as much, or vice versa. Um, so he, a lot of that's to do with coaching, in my opinion. He's done a fantastic job, and and he deserves he deserves that award, in my opinion. They're clear number two. They, they locked that seat up, you know, a week or so ago, and they um, they're a fun team to watch, man. They they have some. Some spirit about them, some edginess, um, some talent. I think they've got a lot of good pieces to make a a deep run. It will be um, will be very interesting to see where that all goes with them. But he deserves that award, Rookie of the Year, Pro. Uh, I've I've got this down to two guys now. I have this down to Mobley and Scotty Barnes, and 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 the reason why is I'm basing it on wins. I'm basing it on team success as much as I am individual. Kate Kate is putting up really good numbers on a bad team. But he's missed he's missed the most games due to injury out of 
those three. I mean, Giddy was in the running, but I think the injury hurt him late and their, their team's not that good. But Evan Mobley, 14.9 points a game, 8.3 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and Scotty Barnes, 15.4 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists. I think it's a coin flip between those two. And like I said, I base that on the fact that both their teams are playoffs slash planes, um, whereas the other guys that were in the running or are in the running, I think um, – you know, they're putting up bad numbers, uh, good numbers on a bad team, which I, I take into consideration. Pro, who do you have? I, I took Cunningham, and, and I understand where you're coming from with the wins thing and those other guys. Scotty Bonds has played really, really well um, and really helping a, 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 a really good playoff team, and, and Mobley as well. Like Mobley's done, you know, a, a great job, you know, almost like a little bit like a Chris Bosch type, you know, the way he plays and – He's going to be a really good player for a long time. I, I like Cunningham. I, the numbers he's put up, yeah, it's on a bad team. It's not really not his choice. Uh, I don't think either all three, any of those three are guys that are going to really like, you know, put a team on their back to get to the playoffs or, or whatnot. They all need a little help. But I think I think Cunningham is the best player, best talent. He's done really well. Yeah, he's coming from behind with the whole, um, you know, injury thing and, and, and missing. I think he's played like 62 games. So, um, but I do, I do think he's going to be a hell of a talent. I think he's had a good, a really good year. If it was like in the fifties, I'd say, yeah, probably scrap it, but he played 62. Eh, it's sort of like borderline of enough games for me, but I, I think he's, I think he's the best player, you know, the best rookie in the, in, in the class, and, you know, for this season. Yeah. So he's, he's 17, he's 17, five and five. Um, so his scoring is a little bit better, but his rebounds are less, and then his assists are better than the other two in candidates. But yeah, I, I definitely can see how people can go that route. Um, but I, I just value winning a little bit more, so it will be uh, interesting to see how they vote with that one because there's been some ups and downs. Well, you don't trust the process, folks. The fuck? I trust the process. No, I mean the rookie ladder itself's just gone up and down throughout the season. Yeah, I'm off a of tanking boats. Fuck it. Who wants to win anymore? <laughs> yeah, but there's an argument to be made if you're tanking. You know, would a would a Cunningham be playing the same minutes for the Raptors? Um, would a would a Josh Giddy be playing the same minutes for a, a Golden State if he got drafted there, right? So then the numbers yeah. are going to be the numbers are going to be affected. So that's my point with that. When you're a tanking team, it's in the it's in the team's best interest to play that guy they drafted one, two, three, four, five, forty minutes a game through his mistakes. But whereas if if if, if a team that's top five in a playoff race lucked out and got a top five pick, a la Wiseman. Um, you know, or something like that. The minutes aren't there as much and the numbers definitely go down. So it's an argument for the ages, Pro. It's an argument for the ages. All right, <laughs> most improved player. The favorite right now is Ja Morant. So the question for me to you is, should he even be eligible, Pro? He's <laughs> This isn't this isn't a guy that was a slouch last season. Look, he has made a pretty good jump. He, he was 19.1, um, 7-4 last season. He's at 27.6, this season. So... His scoring has jumped about eight points, um, but should he be eligible? It's a good. It's a good question. That's a good question. I say that he should not be eligible. I mean, look, he, he, and here's my here's my reasoning behind it. First of all, he's one of the top picks in the draft. You know, so it's not like a, a guy that you know. It's not like a Jalen Brunson that was drafted in the second round, right? And then now he's putting up these humongous numbers. John Morant was one of the best players in the draft. He's expected to be really good. Not to this level. I mean, the guy's killing it right now. I just think that those players that you have to look at, like, where they were drafted, 
where their talent was last year versus this year. And yes, he has made a huge jump. But I think for the most improved player, it's a player that's sort of like a a jabroni, a ham and egger, like a guy that's sort of like no one really expected much of, and he improved his score in like eight and a half points a game. He's a guy that came out of nowhere to be second team all defense. He's a guy that, you know, just sort of picked his game up to a really high level where no one really expected much of him, and he really over-delivered. If Morant was drafted at 17, for sure he should be. You know, even if he was the best player on Memphis, drafted 17, 18, 19, guy was like second pick in the draft. To me, I think that it's like you do have an expectation for somebody who's drafted in that realm. But, you know, fuck am I, you know, fuck am I to comment? Who am I to say? But that's just me. What do you think? Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, I I think he's not, you know, there needs to be some sort of protocol for it. I'm not sure. Obviously, he fits the rules, but... Yeah, when you're going from 19 a game to 27, and you were a top five pick, you, you know you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be in the running, in my opinion. But he is—he's the overwhelming favorite as per bookies. Um, the other candidates, Jalen Brunson, um, like you said, but he's not actually in the even the top three as per the bookies. So I usually look at what they're what they're looking at, and they're usually pretty right. Darius Garland's the other one. He's gone from, and he's another one. He, he had a pretty good year last last season. He was seventeen point four last season. He's up to twenty one point seven this season. His assists have jumped up to uh, uh, what are his assists at? Eight point? Uh, no, sorry, his rebounds. Eight point six. Oh, rebounds are three point three from two point four. That's right. Yep, yep. So he's jumped up from from eight point eight point seven to six point one on assists. So he's making reasonable jumps. But I mean, my pick pro, I'm going with Desmond Bain, John mm. Morant's teammate. He's made arguably the biggest jump. He was last season 9.2 points, you know, three odd rebounds, one assist. He's gone to 18.2 points. So he's arguably made the biggest jump in scoring out of any of the candidates. And he's gone from single digits to double digits, which I think is important for most improved. Because when you go from double digit to double digit, I'm like, you know, are you really that most improved? Um, but but he, he's a guy that I would pick. Um, he's he's 18.2 a night, four and a half rebounds, almost three assists, 1.2 steals. Um, he's a surprise package that not a lot of people thought would make a jump like this this quickly. And he's an integral part of, of their identity and what they're doing. I love the way he plays, a little, little nugget guy, Kyle Lowry type. You know, he's got that kind of body, but really nice three-point shot. Um, can score down, you know. Can, can score, and um, I'm picking him as a flyer. I think he's he's definitely got a chance. Now he's really good, and and he's one of those guys that has a ginormous, ginormous chip on his shoulder. As far as like, you know, people passing up on passing him up on the draft, and you know, I thought I thought that uh, I thought he's done a great job. He's you know, especially with John Morant being out, like the the, the where he sort of elevated his game to really help those guys. You know, um, you know, you know, win a bunch of games without Moran in, and you know, you know, to a guy who's like a role player, spot up shooter, could do a little bit more. That's the expectation to now be this guy that can carry a team when your best player's out. I think that that really says a lot about you as far as where you are as a player, and uh, I think that you know, I think that 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 was excellent. I think he's done a great job. I think he's a really good player. Good pick, by the way. I didn't. I thought about him a little bit, but not really. I mine. You know, I like Brunson, and I thought I was going to take him, but Garland really. You know, same thing. Like, like Garland was a decent, like high pick, but 
the how he elevated his game when Sexton was out and he really carried that team and really put that team on the on his back to you know give them a top four seating at one point and did really, really well. I didn't expect much out of that team when Sexton went down. And, and I think that that's where I, and, and the same thing with Brunson, why, why I liked him because he elevated his game when he needed to, when, you know, when Luca was out or they really need, needed his offensive help and not expecting a lot from him offensively to be a guy who could score 20, 25 or 30. But I like Garland. I thought he's done really well. I mean, he handled the extra load on his, on his you know shoulders. Like he handled that really well. I thought he's did you know, he really stepped his game up and put them in a position to win. Yeah, agree. I think uh, I think it's pretty close, but um, I, I'm, I'm all for if it's Garland or or Bain. I think it's pretty good. But uh, the other guys, I think there's some might be an asterisk if there's uh, a Jar Morant win. It might be that whole Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell rookie of the year debate again. You might have one of those things going. Sixth man of the year. I don't think we need to debate this. Tyler Hero. Yeah. Tyler Hero and a story. Put a line through it. He's 25, 20 points, five, five, and four a night. Um, off the bench. So, look, I mean, that there's other guys uh, that there's no point talking about. Um, let's be honest. They're, they're, no offense to them. He's he's had a hell, Jordan Clarkson's still kind of in the mix, um, but I think he's had a hell of a season off the bench. He, he arguably could be starting for for a lot of teams in the NBA, but they've they've brought him off the bench. He's playing a valuable role for them in what they're doing in Miami, and I think that's a no brainer, right? Who is your second? Who is your second? Did you have a second? I didn't really even have it. I mean. Because you have Brunson. How about Jordan Poole? How about Jordan Poole? Yeah, but he started for some games, didn't he? Yeah, that's the other one. Jordan Poole's definitely... Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Poole for most improved as far as someone to thinking about most improved. No, no, no. Coming off the bench, you're right. He did start a bunch. And same, so did Brunson. So that's why I, did, I didn't even think about Brunson for uh, six man. I think Harrow was ridiculously, you know, ahead of the pack on this one. Yeah. I, I can't even... Yeah, I don't, I don't really have another team, another player that was even close, to be honest with you. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, that's a no-brainer. We don't have to discuss that. And one that isn't discussed very often, the NBA Executive of the Year Pro. I'm sure, oh. you've, I'm sure you've done a lot of research into this. Um, the top three, as per the bookies, Artu, Art, what is it? Arturis Karnasovas. Karnasovas. Yep. Uh, Zachary, oh, that's the Chicago Bulls. Zachary Kleiman from the Grizzlies and Pat Riley from the Heat. Who's your pick, bro? Yeah, that was a good one. If it, if it is out of those three, I mean, you might have a flyer for us. Maybe, no, maybe you go no, Rob. No. Maybe you go Rob Polinka. I do not. I do not have Rob Polinka. It was close, but Rob did not make that final cut. Um, I I'm going to go with Memphis. I think that the Grizzlies has done a great job putting those little pieces together. Karnachevis has done a, a very good job. Don't get me wrong, but see, to me, Bogues, when you just spend and get those players when you just use them, just basically spending money to get them. It, to me, it's like, I uh, use your, you use your cap room basically to get Levine or, I mean, or the trades and stuff, but like, you know, to get DeRozan and to get, you know, to get Fusevich and stuff. Yeah. You made trades and stuff, I guess. I think Memphis has done a really good job with, you know, getting those junkyard dog type players and getting guys that are under the radar and, you know, Steven Adams and bringing, you know, guys like him in and, um, I thought they've done a that they did an excellent job. But look, all those three deserve, you know, deserve. I think it's a really close race, but I think, I think Memphis, uh, I think Memphis has done a great job. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, Clemens, my he's my pick as well. I think Coach of the Year and Executive of the Year. I think even the the Adams trade, for instance, had a lot of people scratching their heads. 
people are like, why? Why do they do that? What was the point? I love Adams, yeah. Um, but that they saw something that a lot of teams did in a, a perfect role playing big next to that doesn't need the ball or want the ball that will play next to those guards in Bain and, and um, you know, Triple J and, and Morant and whatnot. So I, I think he's the front runner. Um, I agree with you on a tourist a little bit. They, they just spent their cap and got talented players, but um, I, I didn't think it was going to fit as well as it, as it has, but it has. So you give them credit there. And Pat Riley and the Heat, they, I think they're. Pat Riley and the Heat are just, they're just caught in that, they're just always so good so you never get an award kind of thing, you know, because they just, they're just solid every season. They make good moves, I think. The front office ever really makes huge mistakes down in Miami. Um, so they, they do a very, very good job. All right, there's a new award, Pro. There's a new award. It is the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award. Um, question for you, Pro. How many of these do you think I would have got if it was around when I played? Um... I think as many as like I would have gotten in the NBA most fit coach of the year award. <laughs> I think it would have been neck and neck, you know. Mm. So I'm not a big Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fan as far as his talent was off the charts. Like one of the most underrated superstars you'd ever want to see. No one really, you know, gives him sort of the due that he's, he deserves. But as far as like what kind of human being he was when he played, and what he like, I read that book by Jeff Perlman, Showtime, and it really takes an in-depth look at the Lakers. It's actually that 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 TV show that's on right now on like HBO, or whatever, that everybody's going nuts about. Like he was the one that that was based on that book. If you read that book about a lot of shit that Kareem would say to kids and stuff in fucking, you know, airports that were asking for fucking autographs and stuff, he was a bitter motherfucker. And I'm not a big fan of his, so I don't mind the social justice award, but they should probably name it after somebody else because oh, that guy wasn't exactly a saint. Yeah. yeah, heard the same things, and it's just, it's just that just tells you where society is. He's he's the pinnacle of an award that it's just wrong. Um, he, I heard exactly the same things. I know people that have dealt with him that are not not huge fans of of the whole human being piece, but he's the pinnacle of of a human being award. Essentially, that's what social justice is about, right? But uh, I'd love to see the metrics of how you win this award. Kamal Anthony has won the first year of it. Um, I assume it's just a glorified community award, but um, it can be deemed for what what social justice you know cause your your pushing can be which way you lean politically. Um, that's where I think there's a big big problem with this award. But we know we know where the NBA leans generally, and that's all fine. But just a very interesting award, and, and yeah, hundred percent agree. A very interesting person to, to name the award after. Um, especially with his, even his comments, like one thing I don't agree with a lot, a lot with what LeBron does and says, but even his comments about LeBron recently, um, he just made a, I think he posted a meme, the Spider-Man meme about something to do with COVID that just was asking questions like why, you know, cause there's a lot of hypocrisy with COVID with the rules, you know, state to state, everyone can agree with that. And he posted a meme about it and Kareem had a, had a shot at him saying that, you know, he should know better, he shouldn't do that. So he's basically saying, oh, you know, LeBron, you can't have an opinion because it's not the same as mine. Well, I think that shouldn't be a, a guy that's on the forefront of, a, of an award. But who am I, pro? I think I would have got one or two of them pro early in my career maybe. You know, I think I had a chance. I think I had a chance, bro. <laughs> I think you're being a bit harsh. Yeah, um, yeah that's a good point. Yeah, maybe end, end of your career. I think you got a lot more mature as the years went on. So, you know, I think you had a chance. <laughs> I had no fucking chance ever. All right. Pro, you're right again, man. Doc Rivers to replace Frank Vogel next season, apparently. That's a rumor. You broke this two times, I think, numerous months ago and then broke it again a couple of weeks ago. But uh, 
that is spinning around. We know Doc Rivers has an affinity to LA. Uh, the whole Philly thing that we spoke about last week about some players not quote unquote feeling Doc Rivers. Um, I think they have, you know, if they win a championship, it's, it's a whole different story, which I don't see them doing. But I think there's a high chance that uh, good old Doc ends up back in LA, pro. Look, I think the biggest thing, it doesn't, you don't, it doesn't take a genius to figure that one out. Now, a lot has to happen for that to go through. Like, first of all, I just don't think Doc is Daryl Morey's type of coach. Like he wants to, he wants either somebody that he's been comfortable with over the years that he's worked with, like hand in hand, like, you know, um, you know, somebody else, not, not him, obviously. Um, I, I would say that his coach in Houston, um, D'Antoni would definitely be a guy that like he would want or an analytics young guy that he could just sort of, you know, play the way he wants to play a thousand percent. And I think that LA needs somebody that those players can't push around. And look, they're going to push them around anyway. Like they'll push them. They'll try to push anyone around, but like the difference between like a Frank Vogel and Doc Rivers is, you know, night and day, not in coaching knowledge. It's got nothing to do with that, but presence as a coach, to like those guys would think a little bit like two or three times before fucking with them, you know, because doc's not going to back down from anyone. And I think that that's tough. That's a tough trait to have. Not many coaches in that league have that doc doesn't give a fuck who you are. He'll go back at you, you know, but also he's a good players coach. You know, he's a, like, he understands the whole thing. Like he understands when players are up and players are down and, you know, when to push buttons and when not to. But I think that, the Lakers need, it's a shit show anyway. They're not really going to win. Obviously, we talked about their roster in depth for, you know, for months now, but they're not going to be a contender next year, but they need a coach that, that's not going to be a sinking ship right off the bat. And Doc, I, I think Doc's one of the only guys in the league that can go to LA and at, at least write the ship a little bit and not be railroaded. Like, I don't think that like LeBron or anyone else is just going to railroad the guy. I, you know, obviously they're going to have their power and all that, but Doc's not going to back down. And I think that they need a guy like that. And they, but also Doc knows when to put his arm around you. It's not like he's going to be a militant drill sergeant. But I just figured that, like Doc having a house in LA, he's been with the Clippers so long that it's a high-profile job. It's a, you know, it's in LA. I'm not a big Philly fan as far as the area. You know, wh- where the fuck would you rather be living, boats, right? And and I think that, like, where that team's going in Philly, I think, you know, not that LA is any better. Obviously, there it's going to be a shit show in itself. I'd rather probably be going that way. And I think that, like, they'll pay what Doc needs because that's the difference between hiring him and hiring another guy. Like, they're talking about different candidates. And the candidates on the list, you could just say, like, you know, you read about the whole Westbrook thing about him just, like, you know, saying gave me the fucking ball or whatever when Vogel was trying to coach him in, tra- in train training camp. Yeah, that's not that. happening. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not happening to Doc. You know what I'm saying? I've been around him. It's not happening with him. He'll fight a guy before that happens. I'm not saying he should fight Westbrook or anything, but like, like there are certain coaches, you know this, there are certain coaches, players check on a daily basis with no problem. And they think they don't, they don't think, they don't think anything of it. And then they, there's those guys that they know that they really can't fuck with as much, you know, and I think Doc's one of those guys. There's only about four or five of them in the league, and I think Doc's definitely one of them. So, like I said, I don't think he's Red Auerbach or anything as a coach. I think he's a good coach, but I think his presence as a coach is much better, and I think that that's probably a, a pretty good marriage if, if it's going to be – if it's going to go. 
Yeah, yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, well, we've, we've gone through this as well. Who else is out there, I guess? So, and they've, they've basically put a line through Frank Vogel's name. He's done. Um, whether you think that's fair or unfair, who knows? Front office, though, pro at the, at the Lakers has been rumoured to be safe. <laughs> that, that's, that's a bigger head scratcher to me than Frank Vogel's job being gone because Rob Palinka and Kurt Rambis, um, they must have some photos of someone pro. Let's be honest. Like, what, what, atrocious roster formation. Um, I mean, yeah, I just don't know how they survive um, if Frank Vogel doesn't, but that was, that was leaked um, over the last couple of days. So, you know, that's obviously leaked by the Lakers and Genie and whoever else, but the fact that they're, they're safe is head-scratching. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a few factors in, in, in play here. A, Rambus' best friends, you know, wife is best friends with Jeannie Buss. That, like, billionaires, like, that's just sort of, they just, they, they want to be around the people they want to be around. So they're never going to say no to the Rambuses. They're going to stay as long as they stay. Polinka's got Kobe. You know, he's got, he's got Kobe blood in him with, you know, with representing him and all that. There's history there. So that gives him, a, that gives him more passes than the normal GM. And then also... We've seen it with Clutch being able to set their lineup and set their roster. So, like, no one's really, like, you know, on the LeBron piece, I don't think anybody's going to be pushing him out the door because there's going to be no, like, this is not Jerry West, which Jerry West isn't going to let anyone, you know, set his lineup for him. It doesn't matter who you are. He's going to do his job and that's it. I think that those guys can get to Rob and sort of, you know, set the roster and he's okay with it, you know, because he knows. He knows who, who's running things there. So I think that those factors are the reason why everybody's safe, you know, and, and that's the thing. And it, it's, look, if it's any other team, if you look at the roster or you look at the moves versus the record in that high profile of a city, you know, yeah, everybody's cleaned out. But it's L.A. It's a shit show. It's like New York, like L.A., New York. Those are two biggest shit show towns you know, on, on in the history of the planet when it comes to what happens inside those doors. So I'm not really all that, I'm not really all that sort of shocked at that, to sort of read about that. What what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm definitely not shocked. Um, but I, I'm not shocked from that point of view. I'm shocked that they're still, you know, from an NBA executive point of view and, and strictly based on performance, they shouldn't they shouldn't be in the job still. <laughs> like if Frank Vogel if Frank Vogel isn't they shouldn't be, but yeah, I'm not shocked that what you said, the whole the whole relationship and friends and this and that. Um, it does that, that 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 is heavily bred in the NBA and in the celebrity world. So that's not a by the way, do you know do you know the Lakers, if they win their final game of the season tomorrow, bro, it'll be their first win streak since January seventh. And that would be two in a row. <laughs> I did not know that, brother. That was a good one. Yeah, January seventh, they haven't won two games in a row. So, well, the big game for them tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. Is there anyone LeBron doesn't want to play with, though, Pro? You mentioned this to me. I put on the run sheet. Is anyone he doesn't want to play with? So this this goes to this goes to a quote that he was Luka Doncic recently, Steph Curry, Kate. I mean, it's everyone, right? Bogues, it's incredible. It's like. I thought the league expanded to like 38 teams. I really did because it, it's like he wants to play with everybody, but like, it's smart. Like that's how LeBron's been. His, like LeBron's one of the smartest athletes I've ever seen with just doing things like this. 
I remember being around him in high school and um, like he went to the Adidas camp and he couldn't play or he did, he chose not to play. I think he had a broken wrist, but when he went to the Adidas camp, he, he was decked out in Nike gear. When he goes to the Nike camp, he's a decked out in Adidas gear. And, you know, they were obviously recruiting him because he was going to come off of the draft, but he's pretty smart with this. He's just sort of letting it out there that he wants to play with everybody, you know? And, and again, I don't really think much of it, but it just sort of seems that, yeah, he just wants to play with everybody. And I think until something really gets some traction, either to, I don't know, force LA's hand to make a move or say that because they don't want to lose him or to see what other players say, yeah, let's sign this thing up and get this thing done. And obviously, you know, it's been hooked on with Bronny and all that, you know, drafting him to play and all that. Um, it's just, it's amazing. Like every day it's like, yeah, I want to play with this guy. I wouldn't mind playing with this guy. You know, it's not, no, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm a, I'm a Laker. It's and, I, and look, he's free to say whatever he wants. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that'll be good to play with him. I'd, I'd be excited. It's uh, it's pretty funny though to sort of see that stuff transpire on almost a, almost a daily basis. Yeah, he's gonna have a lot of teammates one day, but I will give him credit. I thought for sure he would have came back to play in these last couple of games to get the scoring record, bro. Um, yeah, yeah, he needed you to give play. him some props now. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he, he needed to play two more games, I think, to be eligible. Um, and obviously continue to score at the clip he's been scoring, I thought for sure he would have chased that individual accolade, but I give him credit. I, I'm, you know, he, he fooled me. I thought he'd be back for these, even the games that were pointless. So I think it comes down to the games didn't matter and maybe he would have copped a bit of flack, but he elected not to do it. So I was definitely surprised at that, bro. Yeah, yeah, we both did. You know, I thought, like, I didn't really think much of it until you brought it up. And I'm like, yeah, like, why, you know, I'm more for the, like, career points, like, you know, play a bunch of games that don't mean anything because you want to rev up the career scoring. But for the season scoring, I'm like, why? Like, why do you care? But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But I thought he would play for sure. But he's decided sort of to shut this thing down. It's a little shot, a little surprising, without question. No doubt. And then finally, that Lakers love well, the Westbrook thing, man. So they've 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 completely thrown him under the bus. Um, yeah, some some might be warranted, some might not be. Um, whatever you think about that is, is is up to you. But this is this is the Lakers' mo. Westbrook is is going to be blamed for this bad season. Already has been. So there's actually quotes. There's a quote that came out that said his personality fit worse than his basketball ability. That's <laughs> that's tough because yeah. And I saw a stat yesterday. He, he was 18, eight and eight this season. Mm-hmm. Had a better shooting percentage than he was the last couple of seasons, so he didn't have a horrible year. Most most players would give their right arm to, to average eighteen, eight and eight, right? Um, but I think just because his bar's been set so high, I don't think he was a good fit for these Lakers. I don't think he was good for the Lakers. But I'm just saying, eighteen, eight and eight, not horrible. Then on top of that, there were some clashes with um, with Vogel to an extent. Vogel's apparently not a coach that's going to go back at players, but apparently. Vogel made a point numerous times at training camp that anyone can bring it off the glass, meaning anyone can, anyone that rebounds the ball can bring it up. You know, LeBron, AD, Horton Tucker, you grab it off the glass, you go. Whereas Russ was kind of lying in the sand, said, no, 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 you outlet it to me. Um, you know, I bring the ball up. That's my job. Um, so uh, on top of that, apparently LeBron, LeBron James' passive-aggressive ways in the locker room didn't go too well with Russ and... There were reports that Russ was isolated. Um, even so, the, the, the teammates were kind of rolling him up, saying, "Yeah, man, the front office is fucking you over. 
standard NBA bullshit, but this is all in the report um, that was leaked from somebody. So, you know, I think um, unfair to Russ to an extent. Look, I think if, if, if Russ was parroting about the style of play, that's that's not right neither. And, and they, their season was probably doomed before it began, if that's the case. But, yeah, to throw him under the bus, you know, individually for everything that went on is a, is a bit harsh. I think there is some blame there, but um, never a dull moment in Lake Land, bro. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, whoa, you know, I, I thought that right away, like they're definitely blaming it on him without question because he, he's the odd odd man out. And I don't know, like you said, warranted, not so warranted, who knows? But that's just sort of him. You know, like you said, you know, Vogel's, Vogel's the type of coach, like one of the most, one of the smartest coaches in the league, but doesn't have a lot of presence with like a tough guy, like, like tough on players. If they go back, if they go at him, especially superstar players, but that's just like how he's wired. And there's a lot of players, uh, coaches wired like that. So it's not really a, a knock on, him. you know, certain coaches are wired certain ways. Like there's the tough guys that would fight, try to fight players and all that. Um, there's the ones that can go back. There's the ex players that people don't really check. There's the smart guys that are really, elite in you know in their ATOs but they're just not you know that they, they just don't have it to do that like to go back at guys I could see I could definitely see Russ saying that and it's not like, look you got to choose your battles you know that in the NBA like what are you going to do go off go off on him in the first practice for going getting a little hand you know get uh, melting off a little bit I mean I don't know it's Westbrook's been fiery his whole life like He's been fiery with players, with coaches. That's just him. And look, when you coach in the NBA, you just got to deal with that. And and look, we, we know it on a daily basis. There's there's times to like go back at a player and there's times to like, you know what, do I really want to waste one of the bullets of my gun like, you know, in October or do I or because if I do this right now, A, one of my superstar players are going to shut me out. And then, then, then I, then the season's going to be a shit show even before it became a shit show. Or do I just, you know, maybe meet with them later about it, just let it go, meet with them later or just let it go. And then just, just do whatever. So yeah, it just definitely seems like they were planting stuff on this guy as far as like being the worst, you know, the worst teammate of all time. I think he's fiery. I think he's not the easiest guy to deal with, but I don't think he's the worst guy in the world. We've seen it. We've seen NBA players, you know, that go into practice and like just sort of wasn't feeling it that day and go at the coach or go at another player or go at a staff member. It's good. You know, look, if, you know, if I don't know, it's uh, it didn't surprise me all that much. I didn't think uh, I didn't really think much of it except like, yeah, they're really trying to pin this whole season on this guy. And just another day in the fucking shit show land, man. Yeah, I just think it's unfair to throw it all on one player, but each to their own. Um, definitely not <clears throat> too sad about the Lakers' demise. So uh, I'd be interested to see how they, like like we've said, what they do to rebuild next next season. They don't have much uh, much ammo in the arsenal to do anything, really. Oh, it's like, but with all this media saying what happened with the Lakers, like, where was these like where were these fucking articles in December and January where anybody with two eyes at work could know that this team was heading for disaster? Now, the injury to Davis hurt, like it really hurt. And then obviously the LeBron injury, but Davis being hurt most of the year really hurt this team. And it probably would have been a little bit different. They probably would have been a 10, 9, 8, 
if Davis was healthy, but like, it seems like everybody's shocked and dismayed like a week ago that all of a sudden the Lakers are out of it. Like, where were they? They were never really in it all year, but like all of a sudden the media is like, maybe it's because they just need something to write about, but like, it's unreal that no one was like, yeah, they've been fucking awful all year. Like terrible chemistry, terrible, just sort of fit with players, you know, and what do you expect? But it's funny just reading all these articles, like the nine fundamental things that the Lakers didn't do this year, this, 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 like, but where, but these same outlets weren't writing anything about it. They were just worried about like LeBron's the first Akron player ever to score more than 22 points on two consecutive Thursdays. Like they're worried about that stuff, except instead of saying, you know what? Like this team is headed for disaster right now and there's really nothing they can do to fix it. But now all of a sudden it's like a shock, you know, it's a, I don't know. It's an interesting deal, man. Mm. Yeah. It was pretty silent. There were some, some, uh, some, some journalists that were talking about it, but ESPN sure wasn't, you know, they were, no, they were all in camp. Uh, you know what's going on individually when they when they weren't playing well, but I uh, will finish off with um, some NBL Australian news. It looks like Southeast Melbourne Pro are officially out. They've they've had some bad losses over the last couple of weeks. That they need a lot of luck to get in. I think mathematically they might even be out. But what's interesting about that? They've had a very poor season. They're a very talented roster. Their head coach Simon Mitchell is reportedly being re-signed. I found that interesting considering their season. I thought they'd wait it out. You know, maybe give him a year deal, but a multi-year deal coming up to to Simon Mitchell, which is a an interesting one to say the least. Like I said, they haven't had a whole lot of success this season, but they were a decent team the year before. But we'll, uh, that could be a case of not much else out there. Maybe they maybe we're seeing something that um, isn't isn't coming out on the court. But uh, they they definitely didn't have a great year, and I'm sure Simon would agree with that. So. Um, don't spend it all at once Simon Mitchell top four is set positions are not pro uh, big games next weekend or next week sorry Illawarra and Sydney play twice to finish the season that'll affect seeding greatly one through four is pretty wide open right now um, there can be a lot of movement in there but the teams that aren't in the four the jack jumpers still have a mathematical chance they're in five nice they still have a but very 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 rare chance um but what I like now is the teams that aren't in the four. It's a time kind of like in the NBA. You, you see a lot of young players that haven't had a chance to play early on in the season. Well, most teams do this. There's, there's a few stupid teams that I'm not going to name them that still play their veterans 40 minutes a night when they mathematically have no chance for the playoffs. I don't know why. Maybe for the coaches' win records or whatever. But I, I like the teams that will, will roll out some lineups um, that are, that are kind of – they haven't done before. I watched the um, the Brisbane Bullets last night. You know, played a really small ball lineup. So they're trying different things because they're mathematically eliminated anyway. So why not try it? But development players are getting minutes, young players, and I, I enjoy watching that. So for people out there that you know are like, oh, my team's not in the playoffs. What's the point in watching these next four or five games? That's why you watch. You see, you'll see some of your young guys. The smart teams will use that those games to evaluate for next season. Hey, do we keep this young guy on? Do we sign him long-term? Do we let him go? Whatever, and that's always a fun part. Um, a silver lining for teams that, that aren't in the playoff mix, pro. Yeah, no question about it. Like, it's always good. Like I said, it's always good if you're not making the playoffs to sort of see where those young guys are at. And I, I, I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of those teams that continue to play their veterans, you know, all these minutes when they're out of it mathematically or they're already into a seed and they could just sort of get those young guys' minutes of obviously on the development side. So that's that's sort of where I'm 
you know, sort of where that's how I'm wired. And I think that like giving those guys the minutes are important and especially the young guys that haven't gotten those minutes all year. So yeah, I, I'm definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. No doubt. Fun to watch. All right. Useful, useless pro. And then we'll get to our fact or fake news. We've got some good ones this week. Sacramento Kings Pro have missed the playoffs for their 16th straight season. That is the longest streak in NBA history, Pro. Useful or useless? Total useful. If I was that whole outfit, I would watch the Seinfeld episode with George Costanza where he does everything the opposite. And then he finally starts fucking breaking through on some good luck. So whatever they think that they should do, just do the complete opposite and they should be fine. But that's a that's unbelievable with that 16 straight seasons. That's a joke with that following in that market where you can't, you know, with the history of that team that they did for so long winning with with the Pager and those guys in Vlade that they can't they can't make the playoffs one time in 16 years. Says a lot. Now, I think that they are that they might be turning a little bit of a corner with some of the players that they have, but not much of a corner. Um, yeah, maybe a play-in next season. <laughs> uh, yeah, play-in. Maybe there'll be a play-in to the play-in next season, but um, I think it's useful for sure because I think it just goes to show you where they where, where they've been the last you know decade and a half. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've just been bad. Um, a guy Harrison Barnes is stuck there, so hopefully they can. See some sunshine into that tunnel, but um, yeah, it's just it's just tough to watch. I mean, that you know they had a really good you know nineties, early two thousand zero, and then just fallen off a cliff since then, and just haven't been able to. And, and I just I don't get the whole hate with Sacramento. I think it's I don't think it's you know it's obviously a small city, but it's good weather. It's you're still an hour plus from you know hour and a half drive from San Francisco if you want to go party and do your thing. So it's not it's not it's not the I don't think it's a bottom five city like some people do. Some NBA players do. I think it's a decent place to live. So I just can't understand why some players are completely anti-going there. Front office doesn't help. All right, next one. Donovan Mitchell, pro. Did you see this stat? I'm sure you did. All right. Donovan Mitchell averages two passes a game to Rudy. Not assists, pro. Passes. <laughs> Joe Ingles still has more total assists this season to Rudy. As of today, and Joe Ingles has, was traded, what, around the deadline? He hasn't played in Utah for two months. He still has more total assists than Donovan Mitchell does to Rudy Gobert. Useful or useless? Folks, you tell me. Uh, useful because you pass to him twice a game. That's like the like one of the best so lob bad. threats. Yeah, like one of the best lob threats in the NBA, like. Yeah, you're not going to throw in the ball one time, you know, to for even in transition, like, like even in transition, just a just off a handoff, like pitch back handoff, like throw back to Rudy, run off for a handoff. You haven't even got two of those a game. Like, what is? What do you think that is, folks? I mean, people say oh, he's purposely not doing it. I just don't think. Like I've said, this is where the loss of Joe Ingles hurts him. Donovan Mitchell's not a great creator for others, Mm-mm. not a great lob thrower for Rudy. That was Joe Ingles's. Elite at both those things. Really good passer out of the pick and roll. Really good, you know, he'd drag out the big on a pick and roll enough to throw the lob to Rudy. Conley's good at that as well. I just don't think Donovan's good at it. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily down to I'm looking Rudy off. But, I mean, I know they don't respect Rudy on the block. Um, there's numerous times where he's 
one five switch, he rolls and he ducks his guard in and he's got him basically two feet from the basket on his back and, and they look him off and don't throw it to him. So it's a it's a strange stat. I think it's just a random anomaly, but that can't be good. That can't be good. And we know their relationship isn't great. We know they don't get along well. But two passes, man, like two assists would be low to an extent. Like for a good rolling big like Rudy, you should you should be getting him two lobs a game if you're Donovan Mitchell going especially That's what with, I'm saying. Yeah, especially with how well um, you look at D Wade Shaq relationship, and the similar players D Wade and um, and Donovan, they get, they go downhill so well. They have got the Euro. They can dunk on you. They can fit, you know absorb contact and finish. The difference is D Wade could absorb and throw a lob up, you know, and 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 happily do that. Donovan hasn't shown that yet. That's probably the next phase of his game. But that's a glaring stat in my opinion. Very useful, but not not a not a positive one, bro. Uh, no, it's not. It's it's a weird one, you know. It's strange, but it look like I could see if it, like he only threw like one assist a game or whatever. Like, but you only th- I look. I'm not into I'm not into conspiracy theories to this level, but like it does it, it is a little glaring to like I said, one of the best lob guys in the NBA. Guys like nine feet tall. Why you wouldn't throw it to him like you said in transition when you get into the basket and that that like in the and, and they help up and then you just sort of like dump off to the big like you know, out of a dunker, out of something, and but you're only passing to him twice. Yeah, that's a little weird. Very weird. Very weird. All right, next one. <clears throat> the next trail would buy as much as the yeah, the next trail by as much as twenty one points in the third quarter tonight and came back to win against the Knicks, one ten to ninety eight. They're the fourth team with multiple twenty point comebacks versus a single team in the last twenty five seasons. Brooklyn also beat New York on February sixteenth after trailing by twenty eight. Useful or useless, bro? I think it's useless. Although you did lose me. Like literally it's like an SAT question. I have no fucking idea what you were trying to say on that one. Not that it had nothing to do with you. It's just more me being a moron, but yeah, to me, it's basically saying the Nets trailed by, you know, big deficits. They're they're the fourth team with multiple 20 point comebacks versus a single team in the last 25 seasons. Oh, oh, a single team. I get it. I so thought them versus, it's the Knicks versus the Brooklyn. It's useless as fuck. Yeah. It's the dumbest. Yeah. And it's ESPN stats and info. It's just stupid. Like who, like who even, we talk about looking up random stats, that that, that takes a cake. So we haven't had a hey. useless one in a while, but that one is useless as, as all hell. Stop, stop, stop swimming to ESPN stats. All right. We're a stat muse company. We, that's what we that's what we do business but you know what bro we haven't had a useless one in a while so I was like racking my brain I gotta find it because they're onto us I think because we there used to be I used to see useless stats every other day as soon as we've started our segment bro the useless stats yeah. have dried up they're scared bro they're scared so I, I actually had to go to <laughs> StatMuse doesn't have very many useless ones and when they do they're obviously tongue in cheek where they're taking where they're making fun of something whereas ESPN they they post these with a straight face sometimes. <laughs> like, we give them we give Stat News so much love. They should be there should be an intern giving you five a week of useless stats just for the love we the free love we give them. I mean, <laughs> what other podcasts? You think Bill Simmons is giving them free love like this? Fuck no. Yeah, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't cross the street for less than thirty grand. We're giving them free love on a on a weekly basis. You mm. think they could be feeding some good ones? Never know. Maybe in the future. Last one. Nikola Jokic, bro, the first player in NBA history ever to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in a single season, bro. Useful, useless. 
you know me with the like first player ever to do this, but this one actually is pretty good. Um, you know, pretty impressive. The first person ever. And then like, when you throw up like that, those numbers, like points, rebounds, assists in a season, I'm, I'm still not in love with them, but like, that's a decent stat that you're like, you know what? That's pretty fucking hard to do. I would say it's useful, but that's just me. What, yeah, what no, that's useful. That's, that's, that's a legit first ever. This isn't, this isn't a, you know, all while scratching his left ear while shooting free throws. This is one of those stats. Exactly. This is a legitimate 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists in a single season. That's hard to do, man. Um, and think about how long this game has been played. Think about Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you know, all these players and not one of them have done it. That's, um, that's very, very impressive in my opinion. So a big... Useful on that one, Pro. What do you have this week for your fact or fake news? All right, folks. A, a play-in team, since we're on our playoff kick today, uh, first question, fa- a fact or fake news, a play-in team will win a round in the playoffs this year. An actual round, not a play-in round. Mm, oh, you put me on the spot because the only team that uh, would potentially do it, I think, is Brooklyn. And I said they wouldn't win a championship. So, <laughs> so I'm going to have to fake news it just based on not being a hypocrite. But um, if there's one team that's going to do it, it's going to be Brooklyn. But I will say fake news. You? I'm going to say fact on this one just because, like, it all shit always happens like that. Like, there's always, there's always somebody that upsets somebody. And I don't know who it's going to be. It's probably going to be Brooklyn, if anybody. I, I can't see anybody else really doing it. Uh, maybe the Clippers. But um, I'm going to say that there's going to be one of these series that, because like, to me, I think the three teams out of the, the three out of the eight that could win a, potentially win a series, Minnesota, because they're just young and they're, you know, and they've got talent. The Clippers, because, you know, Paul George, you know, plus the, the rest of the guys, I could see maybe, get, you know, getting something done there. And then obviously Brooklyn, but I'm going to say, Fact, I think one of these teams are going to win a, 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 at least one series, uh, one true series in the playoffs. Again, because I'm so fucking bad with predictions, I might as well just fucking throw anything at the uh, – uh, throw enough shit against the fucking wall see what sticks. Yeah, and the Clippers – one thing about the Clippers, they could face Memphis, who haven't really been yes. – haven't been there yet, haven't been deep into the playoffs. So right. whether that plays into, into some people's thoughts about who's going to win that series, it, it could, you know. Um and what if Kawhi plays? Like, exactly. what if out of the blue? Yeah, yeah just like- rocks up. Robot man plays 40 minutes like he hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I like that. I like those teams. So, I agree. All right. Both. Both number one seeds will make the finals this year. Fact or fake news? So, what's that? Miami and Phoenix. I think Phoenix make it. Oh, man. Tough one. Fake news is always one that gets bounced. There's always one that gets bounced. So based on based on history, uh, you need to do some stat muse and find out how many times that has has happened, bro. One one versus yeah, they better one. step the fuck up. They better step the fuck up. <laughs> how many times yeah. a straight one versus one has made the finals? But um, yeah, I would say fake news. I think one will get, one will get bounced. I think it'll be in the east. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna say that someone's gonna get bounced. I'm still gonna go because I'm like I'm so bad picking teams. I'm gonna go with the Dallas Mavericks in the finals. 
Wow. Not winning it. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I mean, You're going to be the I'm, Phoenix I, Suns. Wow. Dude, I just threw a fucking hanging curveball at Barry Bonds <laughs> in the steroid era. I know you're going to go, oh, pros are homer for Dallas. First of all, they fired me. I talked to about three people in the whole organization. So it's not like I'm like have these banners on my wall for the Mavericks. I do think that they're a team that can either get bounced in the first round or fucking make the finals. That's just how they are. Who the fuck knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm bullshit. But I'm telling you, I have a feeling this year, they just, they have a lot of, but like, they have a lot of similarities to that 2011 team where like, they didn't have an overabundance of talent. They just had a bunch. They just had a bunch of guys that like, that play together. They obviously got Luca and they got a bunch of guys that play together. They can make shots. They they could do some things. I'm telling you. If there's a team that's going to, and Miami's not playing great either, and they are playing great now, but like Milwaukee could beat them, or you know, Boston could get there. It's a weird year this year, Bogues. I don't think that I, I definitely think that both teams are uh, there will not be two number one seeds in the, in the in the championship. I don't know. Maybe it's Phoenix. Maybe it's not. But I have no idea. We'll see. We will see. Dallas to the finals, pro. We, you heard it here first. <laughs> I've got a fact or fake news for you, pro. Nice. Is John Wall the worst contract in NBA history, pro? Now, before you get rolling, let me read you this. He signed a Supermax, four years, $171 million. In 2019 and 20, he played zero games. In 2020-21, he played 40 games. In 2021-22, he played zero games. Now, there is a bit of an asterisk on this past season because they shut him down for most of it. But that contract... Fact or fake news is the worst in NBA history. You know, Bogues, I think that because of the money, like the money being elevated, that it is definitely the worst contract of all time. With the money being elevated and the lack of playing on that contract, I think it's by far the worst contract in NBA history. Now, you could say that there are other contracts like you know, if you did them, like if you upped it, you know, over the years, like compared to a contract that was done in the nineties or whatever, you could say that. But I think that this is definitely the worst because the guys never played, barely ever played. I think it's one of the worst. Played 40 games in three years of the $171 million deal. So, and looks like who knows what's going to happen next season. He's either going to get bought out or sat anyway. Um, but, yeah, I think just just on the grand scale of of value, um, it is um, fact. It, it, it's bad, um, and, and yeah, you just you just hope he gets it gets it to, back together, gets back on a roster and can play. But man, that's that's a lot of money that that was just lit on fire for for a few teams that took those those salaries. So in, interesting one, folks, folks. It's so funny. I just looked up worst contracts in NBA history. So I'm scrolling down like they got like Gilbert Arenas's deal. They got all these guys. Then I see a picture of you. I'm like, what? Bogan? But no, you're getting pinched by Lowell Deng and Tim, uh, Timothy Mozgov. And it was their contracts combined. So you, you have nothing to do with it. But I thought it was your contract. But to, they said the Mozgov and Lowell Deng, four years, $136 million combined, was the worst tandem of contracts in the history of mankind. I thought they were killing you for a second. Oh, what was I it? thought Yad Baka was going to get an email from your uh, tweet, but... What was on that it's photo? Just a, 
What? I was in the photo. You were in the photo, but it wasn't you that they were talking about. I thought it was good. I didn't read the headline. Oh, it like they had bait. like nine contracts. Yeah, clickbait for sure. But it was Mozgov <laughs> and Dang because those guys are pinching you out for a rebound, and they were talking about those two being the worst combined contract in the history of in history of the league. Hey, uh, I'll change spots to John Wall. I'll take the 171 million, and you can call me the worst contract in NBA history for the next 50 years. You think anybody gives a fuck, Bogues? Like, if you if you were a complete fucking bust and you made 170 million on a contract, do you think like you give a fuck that? All right, I'm a bust, blah blah blah. Like Greg Oden or Sam Bowie or someone who was like injury riddled that can't, couldn't get out of their first contract and really sign a deal for another contract. Like those guys. Like didn't make the money, and they were they were killed every year about being a bust. These guys made nine figures, nine fucking figures. I'd have two middle fingers up all day, every day. Like I don't really give two fucks. Yeah, I'd make like, a I'd make a bust out of straight gold of myself and put a, put a statue in my yard with 171 million dollars. <laughs> Someone yeah. called me a bust. 100 percent agree. Yeah. Like who gives a shit? Like that players can can do whatever he wants for the rest of his life and never have another worry. Um, I think most people out there would agree, most of our listeners would agree that if someone was, if, if Stephen A. Smith was going to get on ESPN every morning and call you a bust, would you be okay with that for $171 million? I think um, people would be okay with it for, for $1 million. I'd, I'd, I'd gamble, but... Uh, yeah. I'd be sprinkling gold dust on my Twinkies laughing hysterically at fucking Stephen A. <laughs> and I'd be joining in. All right, so fuck off. Yeah, nine figures. Give me, sign me up. Where do I sign? All right, that wraps up episode 60. Thanks for joining us. Send us your feedback. Send us some fake or fact or fake news, some useful, useless stats. We appreciate all the support at Rogue Bogues, at Hoop Consultants, at Andrew Bogut. We'll see you next week, bro. Bogues, take it easy. We'll see you next week, brother.